Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle instead of Podbean, but still on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we're on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. The episodes post there the next day. Make sure you like and subscribe because you get content on all of the South Florida teams. Also check out FiveReasonsSports.com for all of our articles. We do not have a paywall and the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. We tell you about this one all the time. Go to prize picks. This is our fantasy sponsor. Use the code five F I V E get your initial deposit matched up to hundred dollars. It is free money. It's free money. There are no rollovers here. It is legal in the state of Florida. This is not offshore. It's not shady. It's prize picks. Go to prize picks on the Google play store, the Apple app store or prizepicks.com. Make sure you use that code F I V E for five. You get your initial deposit matched up to $100. And additionally, you can now put together six-player combinations and get paid 25 to 1 if you hit all of them. So anywhere from two up through six players. Go to Prize Picks, Use the code F-I-V-E. And now, today's episode. Down Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Brady Hawk. You can follow him at BradyHawk305 on Twitter, so long as Twitter exists. Uh, We do want to mention something related to that. We want to meet you all in person because... We're going down with the ship here on this social media app that we have used to build the business. So we're going to actually have a watch party, a tropical distillery that's coming up on November 30th. So after Thanksgiving, it's a Wednesday after Thanksgiving, the Heat are in Boston against the Celtics. The Celtics are hot as heck right now. I don't want to be blamed if the Heat lose that game because that was probably going to happen without our contribution. But come drink with us, hang with us, meet us. It's a tropical distillery. This is a new location. Um, it's actually they're owned by the Pouncy Brothers, if you're familiar uh, with them from University of Florida, of course, the Steelers and the Dolphins. So it's in Alapata. Tropical Distillery. We'll be posting a lot about it on our Twitter account again, so long as that exists. All right. Today, we're going to talk about somebody who's actually not playing yet on this road trip, and it doesn't appear he's going to play on this road trip. And that's Tyler Hero. And we decided we're going to get into the Tyler Hero conversation here because with his absence, it allows us to look at what the team is without him. And look, we don't know if Bam is going to play tomorrow night as we speak. He's listed as questionable. So he was upgraded. He is listed as questionable. Caleb Martin is also listed as questionable. Dwayne Dedman is listed as questionable. So, and maybe a skeleton crew against Washington. Again, still no Oladipo, even though he did travel with the team. And of course, Yurtsevin is going to be out for a long period of time. And Udonis Haslam has been away from the team for personal reasons. So they are really shorthanded right now, but we just wanted to isolate the hero conversation, especially as we talk about potential starting lineup changes and where this team may go until they make a transaction. And I do want to introduce one bit of information here. And Greg is not here today to say it himself, but on our off the floor feed today, uh, he basically posted something that he and I have been talking about, which is that, People around Tyler thought he was going to make this trip. And 
Brady, you were at the game. I think you you were on the court at a time I wasn't. When Tyler was working out, was it like four games ago already that he was on the court, you know, testing yeah. an ankle, and you thought he looked fine, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I won't be able to do this anymore if it goes down because I put it on Twitter and basically said that it, th- it looked like he would be good to go because uh, it was funny. Not only was he like abs- like just doing his usual workout, he was just like kind of like messing around, like dancing around, like type stuff, like just kind of goofing off where I was like sitting there and he was actually one of the videos I took it like 10 shots in a row. Like I was like, okay, he's listed as questionable. He looks totally fine. That's the ankle sprain that it was listed. I was like, there's nothing. Uh, I think we're overlooking it. Uh, and then obviously it's been what, this is going to be his fifth, I think fifth game that he's going to be rolled out. So we're looking at something a little bit differently. Spose said before that it's just kind of monitoring and we've, we, we're never going to get information like this in general. It's always going to be the day to day. Uh, like he's progressing and type stuff, but the, he was basically saying that he just wasn't mobile enough, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Like maybe it's swelled up over time, but, uh, it really is, I guess, something to monitor as we keep going forward in this road trip. Nobody trusts the heat when it comes to injuries. And for all of those who think that I'm too positive about the heat and all this, that is the one thing I will admit. And I will say consistently is that, you know, there have been numerous instances over the years where we've been told one thing and it was something else. Okay. This is just the way that they operate. They're not the only organization that operates that way. Sometimes they do it to protect the player. Um, a couple of years ago with Justice Winslow, I believe that was the case because they believed that Justice could have played. Justice kept going to specialists who were telling him that he could have played. He kept looking for more and more specialists. And so the Heat didn't want to make him look bad publicly. And that's one of the reasons that they just kept putting things off. We had this with Deion Waiters. If famously, if you follow Miami Heat beat, their, their, their whole joke about six to eight weeks about Deion Waiters, that you didn't know when he was going to come back. I remember being in a locker room in, I guess it would have been 2010, 2009 or 2010, whichever year that Quentin Richardson was with the Heat. And I remember being in the locker room after the season was over with and being told by a Heat official, Quentin Q's having surgery tomorrow. We never knew anything about this injury. It's just all of a sudden he was having surgery the next day. I can also tell you that during the big three era, Mike Miller, I mean, literally could not walk, okay? And we were being told he was day to day. He was leaving the team to get epidurals uh, for his back and coming back and just telling me, shh, don't tell anybody. I'll get in trouble if I tell you. This is the way that they've always operated with injuries. It's always the way they're going to operate with injuries. So it's always very hard to get a gauge on whether or not a guy is going to come back, when he's going to come back. We've got this with Oladipo right now, okay, which I was told a couple of weeks ago that it's looking like weeks, not months which leads you to believe it could be December-ish and the fact that he's traveling is a good indicator, but we don't know for sure. And so I say all that to put the Tyler Hero situation into context because he was working out in front of the media. Like Brady saw him, right? They weren't hiding him upstairs. He was going through his workouts. He seemed to look fine. He hasn't played since and didn't make the trip. And then again, Greg with some information that people around him uh, thought he was going to make this trip and were surprised that he didn't. So I don't know what that means. I don't know why you would hold out a player who was six man of the year last year. And is your starting two guard who you've just paid a significant amount of money to flourish as a starting two guard, but one way or the other, he's not out there right now. So let's discuss what that means, Brady, because I said last night on the post game show, 
that as this season progresses, I would look at starting Nikola Jovic at the four because I think it balances their rotation. It's not because of anything that Caleb Martin did wrong. I think Caleb has done everything they've asked him to do and more. He's just being asked to do the wrong thing. That's my issue with it, okay? To me, he's a Swiss Army knife wing off the bench who can plug a lot of different holes, who gives you energy, who has great chemistry with Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Those three guys, to me, are three guys you cannot complain about this year. Those three guys have provided energy on a nightly basis. Those three you can count on. They're not always going to be efficient, but you can count on them for what they're going to bring. And they are compatible together as players and as people. They all get along really well. So my thing is putting Jovic in the starting lineup eventually would do a bunch of different things. One, it gives you more height up front, which you need, even if he's not a polished rebounder at this point. It gives you another playmaker in the starting lineup, which I think they could use. But it also puts Martin on the bench to give you more juice off of that bench with the other guys that are there. So I'll ask you this question. Who fits better with Caleb Martin as the four, if we're talking about starting hero or Struess, and who fits better with Jovic at the four? Yeah, this is interesting because I don't think – I think if you ask a lot of people this question, I think everybody would have a different answer because I don't think there's one answer to this. Me personally, I'll start with Jovic, and I'll say if you start Jovic, I lean heavily into the Struess camp where I say uh, you hit on the playmaking thing. The one thing is the height thing. No matter what guard you start, that height thing is going to be big. For one, I'll say playing him at the four next to Bam changes a lot. He's not playing the five and he's not playing drop. Like that just changes enough already for Jovic and what he can do in that lineup. But I'll say in terms of the lineups, the reason I say Max is because if you are starting Jovic next to Bam, you basically have like dual uh, playmaking threats in your front court. Like you basically can run offense through two big men when needed. And obviously we know Jimmy's a playmaker as well, where I say, the ideal way, if you think about them running offense, is like to basically just have constant movement with those two playmaking over the top. And Max Schroes fits that perfectly. Like having Bam and Jovic be able to run that type of stuff with Max flying off pin downs, flying around the floor, being able to provide that type of shooting, uh, it brings a different level of physicality, I guess, because even though Jovic is like a little bit obviously lengthier, he's not the like strong, bulky guy that's going to kind of bully you around like some other guys could. So that would be my answer for Jovic. I honestly think with Caleb, even though, like, if you look at the numbers, because we actually, the Jovic thing we're projecting, the the Caleb Martin thing we've seen now. Like, we've got 88 minutes of him, of that four with Hero, which is 111, 111 offensive rating, 105 defensive rating, and a six net rating. Then you go over to the Struess one, where it's basically they've gone on a run with the, with the Struess lineup, where it's 140 offensive rating and 108 defensive rating. And it's basically 32 net rating Wait, in 73. That. 140 <laughs> offensive rating. Now, this is this is Struce just playing with Martin, or this is Struce in the starting is, lineup with the rest of them. This is the starting lineup of Kyle, Max, Jimmy, Caleb, Bam. Is basically they played 73 minutes, which is second most in the team, and it's 140 uh offensive rating. So obviously. The defensive rating, it tails off a little bit, but that doesn't matter because here, when you're that big of a jump offensively, there's something to talk about here. Well, I, I think most people understand what offensive rating is, but just for those who don't, to put this into context, it would be the best offensive rating of all time um, because essentially <laughs> it is, is how many points you score per 100 possessions, 
which is on average about what NBA teams get. The Heat, you know, their pace tends to be a little bit lower, uh, but still, I mean, 140 offensive rating, a small sample size for sure, uh, but not insignificant. It's not 15 minutes, right? You said it was 73 minutes? Yeah, 73 minutes, and the hero one is 88. Okay, so roughly even, and you're talking about 140 offensive rating. All right, so let's just let's just dive into that now before we get into the Jovic part of this. Why does it work so well with Struess playing out there with Lowry, Bam, Jimmy, and uh, and Caleb Martin? Particularly well, Caleb. Say, I'll say first off that I think some of this is context of the fact of the games they're playing. Like, would, would they have a similar offensive rating if they did the opposite way where they played those two Charlotte games? They were able to just run off points in those games, possibly. Like, that kind of hurts these numbers in a way where we don't know, and they just found a rhythm, I guess, at this point in the season. Uh, but the biggest key is movement. Like, the thing we kept talking about early in the season with their offensive issues was that the ball was sticking. Uh, they weren't moving around in general. The thing we talked about, let's say, before the season, when they, we were talking about what they could do in this starting lineup, we said, when you have Jimmy sitting there, it was an on-ball threat. You have Tyler, who's an on-ball threat. You have Kyle, who can play off-ball, but he's obviously your playmaker and your point guard. And Bam is your guy you want to push forward into being that type of on-ball threat somebody's going to have to sacrifice. And if you're not sacrificing, you have to continue to move because well, the other thing I'll go back to even further, the playoffs last year, we talked about the Depot, Tyler, uh, and Jimmy minutes. Like they looked amazing in the playoffs when they were moving, when they didn't. And it was Depot and Tyler in each corner staring at Jimmy and ISO ball. It looked horrible. Like the whole key to a Miami offense, which is a motion offense is movement. That's what Max Strews provides. He doesn't provide a lot of uh, like, he's not an on ball dominant guy. Even though look <laughs> last night's game, you would be surprised for me to say that because he's been absolutely trying to be become something on the ball. He's looked a lot better in it, getting paint touches and stuff. But it's just a different dynamic to this offense right now. Uh, but I'll say because I think we're leaning heavily in this direction of the starting lineup thing, and I know that's what we're getting at. But I still kind of pulling pushing the brakes a little bit on this like full on making this switch. And I'll say the reason why is. Ideally, Victor Oladipo comes back at some point here. Like, ideally, that's what you have. Tyler Pulling Tyler Hero at this time away and saying it's best for the team roster-wise is correct. Like, at this moment, if you look at the roster, the bench could use a creator. But then I look at, let's just say, let's go in the high number, and let's just say it is a month and a half, a month or a month and a half. Tyler's now is on the bench again with Depot, and now you're talking about, we're not talking about the offensive issues. Now we're talking about can Tyler and Depot play together. So I just think it's a lot easier if you just push forward and try to figure this thing out when Tyler returns, try to figure out this starting lineup, put your best players on the floor together. And then ideally you have a Gabe Depot max trio and, and off the bench, no matter if it's Jovic or Caleb at the four that you could kind of push forward. Like on paper, that is the ideal move, but it's just whatever is kind of equating to wins. I feel like is what they're going to have to do at any given state. Yeah. Well, there, there's also the political element of this, right? I mean, that that's the other part is that, Tyler Hero made it a goal. Well, he had two goals this offseason, right? One was to be a starter, and the other was to get the extension. So they gave him the extension, but I don't think that it lessens the blow if he's taken out of the starting lineup. I mean, he made it very clear. He believes he's a starting guard in this league. He hasn't played poorly enough to lose the job. Um, we talk about two years ago, they, they pulled the plug on it after 10 games, and if you remember that, like some games he was starting with Myers Leonard, some games he was starting with Mo Harkless. Like, I don't think that thing ever had a chance. You know, they were coming off uh, the long bubble run and they came back right away. 
And, you know, obviously, and then Tyler went back to the bench and, and we kind of know what happened from there. Um, and then last year he embraced the six man role reluctantly, but he made the most out of it. He won the damn award, but you, you bring him back this year. And again, you make, he makes the goal of, of being a starter. It was pretty clear from the start of camp that they had already made that decision. I think regardless of what Oladipo did, but we just kept com- keep coming back to this. It's a fit issue. It, it's not, it's not a Tyler issue. It's, it's a, it's a fit issue with this starting lineup that if this thing was going to work just offensively. Okay. And like you said, they're, they're, the offensive rating is not terrible. Would you say 111, 112, something along those lines? It's not awful, but if this thing was going to work, he had to be more of a catch and shoot player to play off of these other guys. The ball wasn't going to be in his hands as much as it was when he was coming off the bench. It was basically his unit whenever he, he came off there and just the catch and shoot stuff is not it, it, the first thing. There hasn't been a lot of it, right? Like the percentages in terms of actual shots in that situation are down. I'm not talking about the ones he's made. I'm talking about taken. It hasn't really trended the direction it was supposed to trend. It does seem like he's pounding the ball a little bit more than he did before. And that doesn't necessarily work with this group. We'll talk about Jovich after the break and what that would look like, but like how if they do just insert it back in the starting lineup with this group, how does this work? I mean, it's tough because like on paper, you're like play Tyler in stretches like max, but like he's not max and you don't want him to be max. Like if you wanted him to be max, you play max in the starting lineup. So it's like, you still want Tyler to be Tyler in a sense. You still want to see uh, as much as like the things are rolling, like you could see and and this last game, obviously without Bam, it's hard to judge the offense in general, but like, there's points in games like against Toronto who's feisty defensively and can overplay. It's like having an action you can just get to and, and Tyler and Bam are that action. So I come back to the point that like, yeah, we could talk about fit and talk about certain things, but like the overall goal here for a while was like getting Tyler and Bam together as much as possible. Like that was kind of the primary goal, try to match up their minutes. And they did that when Tyler was playing, <laughs> they were doing it at a high level, that specific pairing, it was just kind of everything else was just trying to everybody trying to find their spots in ways uh, they have to just move the ball. Like, that's the key here. If they want to figure this thing out in the starting lineup, it's that simple, uh, which I think Tyler's grown enough as a playmaker, just doing it consistently. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of an on-off button where it's like when he's rolling offensively and getting buckets, you can see him start getting into that playmaking mode. But if he could do it consistently as like he does his scoring, then we're probably having a different conversation. So uh, I still want to see more of it. Like, that's my thing. Like, I just don't think after – the, what was it, 88 minutes that we've seen of it. And then, like, we've seen this stretch where they're kind of finding themselves. I want to see it again. Like, I don't think we're getting to a point where Tyler returns and we see him as six man. Like, I think we're going to see it for a lot longer before we get to that point where we kind of totally just kind of shine away from it. I think it's a harder conversation. I know pe- some would disagree with me, but I think it's a harder conversation to have with Tyler Hero right now to tell him you're coming off the bench again than it was even for Eric Spolscher to sit down with Goran Dragic and tell him, you're coming off the bench after you've been a starting point guard. I just, I, I think uh, Goran wasn't happy about it at first, but he was a vet at that point. And again, he didn't feel like he was an ascending young player like Tyler is now. And essentially he would look at it as demotion. So I think we talk about the strategy of it. We talk about the dynamics in terms of on the court. I think it's as much of an off the court issue, but when we come back, we're going to talk about what this would look like if Jovic plays, because I, I think you disagreed with something. You and Alex both disagreed with something that was on Twitter um, and, and who would fit better next to him in the starting lineup. Before we do, we're going to talk to one of our sponsors here. I want to tell you a little about C-armstabbing.com with our friend Nelson Solomon. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we'll be back to five on the floor in a second. Before we do, though, we've got a segment here on the program that we've done before. It's called our Sponsors Corner. It's where we introduce you to sponsors of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network, the people who keep us going. They just happen to be Heat fans. They just happen to be based here locally. And our friend Nelson Solomon is going to join us here today. You've heard me talk about C-armstaffing.com, right? I see it's always C for cat, C for color, C for something so that you have you remember it, C-armstaffing.com. I'd rather Nelson tell you, though, about what they do. So what does C arm staffing and mobile services do thank you very much for having you ethan uh the number one thing that i want your audience to be aware of is that we produce um um crm services and what that is is the fluoroscopic machine that is used in the operating room so we go to doctor's offices chiropractic offices cadaver lab courses and we rent the crm out not only we do that but what what we also do is if the facility already have their machine, the CRM or the fluoroscope, then we can send a tech to uh, run the machine for them. So we go to hospitals everywhere that epidural injections are being conducted. We there, we can help you um, with all of that. And I've been telling people, go to the website. That's the easiest way. I don't know if you want to give out your personal cell here again. That's up to you. Um, if you want to contact that way, but also again, it's c-armstaffing.com, but there's a form there on the site, right? Yeah, exactly. Once you go to the website, uh, it's going to be easy on the contact. 
you'll see the little form that you fill out with your email address and your phone number if you like to, and then I will contact you back. But they can contact me directly at 561-891-9620. Again, 561-891-9620. All right. But before they contact you, you got to answer some questions here. So we got three heat right. questions because I know you're a big uh, Miami Heat fan. These are not trivia questions. These are more personal preference questions. Take okay. Dwayne Wade out of the equation. Your favorite Heat player of all time is? Oh, take Dwayne Wade out of the equation. So I would have to go with Zo. Okay, that's fair. I, I think that's a good one. Game 6, 2006. Obviously a Hall of Famer and really the first big star that the franchise had. You are coach for a day. You're a coach for a day. Eric Spolstra has been replaced for one day by Nelson Solomon. The one thing you do right now to energize this team is what? get PJ Tucker back if I could, but I know, I know it's not possible because I could see, um, I listened to your shows and, uh, the organization think that, um, um, perhaps losing him, they can replace it by more offense, but the, the defensive issues are glaring. And if we need to go anywhere further than what we did last year, we're going to have to show up things defensively. Uh, so what I would say is, uh, hoping that Victor Lodipo is back. And um, he, he, he would be a good energizer uh, from a defensive perspective. All right. See, that's good. Yeah, they can't get P.J. back, unfortunately, at this point. But they're going to have to work around it. All right. And if there's one NBA team that you absolutely cannot stand, the one you despise more than all the others, it is? Any team that LeBron is on. So it's going to be the Los Angeles Lakers. So I'm a huge Heat fan, as you already told the audience and uh, when LeBron left, so I never forgave him since. So any team that he's on, I hope that they don't make the playoff. Well, you're going to be in luck this season because I feel like LeBron's <laughs> going to shut this thing down. He's he's put a team together of the worst possible shooters in NBA history. So I don't think that. So you're a member of Team Petty. I didn't know that. Look at that. You, you're still holding yeah, the grudge. I am, unfortunately. <laughs> you're still holding the grudge after all this time. All right, Nelson Solomon from uh, C. Arm and Staff and Mobile Staffing. Uh, again, tell people how they can reach you. All right, so they can reach me at 561-891-9620. Again, 561-891-9620 or www.c-armstaffing.com. All right, reach out to our local sponsors, those who support us. Nelson, we appreciate you joining us today. Next time I see LeBron, I will not tell him Watch All right, please don't uh, don't say that. Yeah, I still love him though for what he did uh, in Miami. Yeah, it ended in 2014. He sent me to Cleveland, so my love for him is not quite what it was uh, when he was there. And now back. Uh, one last thing I wanted to say: my my daughter is a huge um, uh, Jimmy Butler fan. So um, you know, I went to the arena uh, last year a couple of times. She made me buy three different jerseys, and then all. <laughs> all uh, Jimmy Butler jerseys. So um, um, I'm hoping one, you know, once, once, uh, you know, one of those blue, I don't know how to say it. Um, at some point, if, uh, if I'm in the arena and you're there and you can make it happen so that my daughter meet them, it would be uh, the greatest, greatest thing for her. 
I'll make sure he puts on the dreads before he does. And and here's the thing. When you buy three Jimmy Butler jerseys, the heater could have reduced six new jerseys in the next two weeks. You're going to have to buy her six more. So oh, wow. uh, <laughs> you should see what my daughter's closet looks like. There's a, every I, see, I, see her, I won't buy, I won't buy that yellow and black thing though. That looked like the Pittsburgh pirates from a couple yeah, of years ago. That's, that, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I saw Max choose. I almost thought that um, Wade, Yes, number three jersey was retired because uh because the one I couldn't say I thought he was I'm like is he wearing the number three? <laughs> same, same 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 for Bam when he actually gets back out there. All right, Nelson, <laughs> we appreciate it. C armstaffing.com. And now back to the episode. Thank you. All right, Ethan's only back on five on the floor with Brady Hawk. We're gonna finish this thing up now. So let's just look into the future a little bit because I don't think it's gonna happen right away. But if Nikola Jovic shows more of what he showed in his starting debut, which was forced by the absence of Bam. So, of course, Jovic was starting at the five, not the four. And even Spolster has acknowledged that he didn't even really think of playing Jovic at the fourth, at the five this year, but it just kind of happened during camp. And so he just sort of went with it. But I think we all agree he's more of a four in theory, uh, in principle, if, if they actually, you know, go to him in that situation, playing him with Bam. And I think he's a much better fit with Bam than Yurt ever would have been, just in terms of of play style. If they get to a point where Jovic is ready to start on this team, Caleb goes to the bench to get heavy minutes as a reserve, which of the two guards fits better with Jovic? Is it Hero or is it Struess? Yeah, like I said before, I think it, it has to be Max just because of the playmaking aspect. Like, that just feels like the biggest thing. But it's also the aspect of, we saw last night, well, first of all, they were really purposeful in trying to get him the ball. Like, they were making it very clear from the jump that they were trying to get Jovic involved. Kyle kept feeding him on the roll. Jimmy kept feeding him on the roll. They put him in the dunker spot to try to uh, just get him easy buckets early. Uh, but there was a specific play, and I, I put it on Twitter earlier, where it was like they fed the ball inside to Caleb, and it's something they do a ton in the dunker spot, but they fed it inside to Caleb. Toronto's defense just absolutely collapsed. But what happened before that was Jovic just set a pick and pop, and he's sitting at the top of the key, and that's where I ended up hitting his first three, where I'm saying to myself, Caleb, where Caleb would is, is where usually would Bam would be. And I'm thinking about the amount of collapsing you would see from defenses constantly. If you were able to space the floor in a way where you're putting Jovic at the top of the key off a of pick and pop, not having to have Bam be the screener every time, while also having Bam's dominance on the interior and fading into the mid-range and all that stuff. Like, there's just, there's so much potential there. Uh, and I know the, the point here is to talk about the guards next to them, but it's just like, when you start bringing up Jovic, it just makes you think about the potential next to Bam more and more. But then you factor in the fact, once again, you're putting the ball in, in the handler of the pick and roll's hands, Bam in the dunker spot, Jovic on the pop, that it doesn't feel like adding in the Tyler aspect into this specific lineup makes the most sense, like on paper. I think there's ways they can figure it out because I think it would be a fun lineup. Like if you're talking about a lineup with, with uh, Kyle, Tyler, Jimmy, Jovic, Bam, everybody would say that's a fun lineup. Like that's something you'd want to see. But on paper, I think with the way the offense that they like to run, I think Max being able to fly off, be off the ball, and just kind of take the catch and shoot threes makes a little bit more sense. Are we almost having the wrong conversation here? Because I feel like a lot of this comes back to one thing. We, we, we've discussed a lot how Hero and Bam have this connection, right? Like the, the, the pick and roll with Hero Bam, we want to see more of that. These are the two guys who are supposed to take them into the future. They have natural chemistry together on and off the floor, right? The, the the chemistry that feels forced to me is the Jimmy Tyler chemistry. 
And I'm not talking about the off the court stuff, which we've documented a little bit. And that relationship has had its ebbs and flows. You know, it, it was really good the first year. It wasn't so good the second year. It seemed to get better the third year. Um, and Tyler Tuesdays were kind of back and all of that. But it just seems like on the court together, it's not, it's just, it, I mean, they both, I mean, Jimmy's done a lot more as a cutter off the ball this year. You and I were talking about that at the game. So maybe there's more of that if the ball's in Tyler's hands. I don't think, Jimmy's selfish about this stuff. That's not it. It just doesn't, it doesn't look right all the time with the two of them. Is that fair? Yeah, it, it's definitely fair because you're not, it, he's definitely not, it's not a selfish thing in my opinion. Like he just had four field goal attempts without Tyler and Bam in a game in Toronto, like four or four field goal attempts. It was halfway through the fourth and he ended up getting a couple down the stretch, but th- that doesn't scream selfishness. Like if he was selfish, he'd be searching for his buckets and he talks a lot about more so wanting to get other guys involved. And I don't think that's just one of those cliche things you say in a press conference. Like that is literally always been uh, Jimmy's mindset in a lot of ways, specifically with Miami. Like he is not a score first type of guy. He can be when they absolutely need him to in the postseason, And I think we all want him to in the postseason. But when you're talking about regular season, Jimmy, that's just not what he wants to do. But I don't think it's crazy to say, like it just does not feel like it gels as, as simply as, as, like a Tyler and Bam fit. But I'll say again, like, I don't think this is a Tyler or Jimmy thing or, like, or one or the other because do you think that the Jimmy and Bam offensive combo on the floor fits perfectly? Because I don't. No. Like, I don't no, it think doesn't. it's... So, it like, doesn't. I don't know if this matters to it, like, that big of a degree because they can figure it out. Like, they can but get that's past the same, it. But, but we're having the same conversation, though, because because the Jimmy-Bam fit is not ideal, Right. It's why you need a Max Struess in there. It's it's why you need essentially a separator to give them space. That's what Duncan was supposed to be in the starting lineup. But Max has, I think everyone would agree now, Max has passed Duncan because of his versatility and the other things that he can do that Duncan can't. Although I will say it's funny. Duncan's not making his shots, but he's doing other things better than he used to do. It's just not enough to make up for the fact that he doesn't seem to be a, a 40 something percent three point shooter. And look, he's getting fewer shots. Now they're not running as many actions for him. It's harder for him to get to that than he used to, but he is actually playmaking. He's setting up other guys but Max still offers you more from a versatility standpoint than Duncan does, uh, particularly on the offensive end. But that I think we're having the same conversation. I think it's because Jimmy and Bam are not a perfect fit. You would not put the two of them together as your two best players and say, okay, this is going to lead to great offense. Okay. Even though they're terrific two-way players, it's be- you need the spacer in there with them. And Tyler is not a traditional spacer in part because he's better than just a spacer. He can do all of those other things, the intermediate stuff, get into the lane. Okay. Uh, We talk about whether he needs a screen or not, but uh, the floaters and all that stuff, it doesn't fit as well with Jimmy and Bam as just, okay, Max is going to be a quick trigger three guy who's going to draw extra attention. And Spo talked about this the other night that teams are preparing for Max in that way which means he is going to have some off nights, but it also means he's creating more space with gravity, which is what we discussed with, with Duncan all those, all those times. And this is you were when you were just talking, and I think this is the perspective people have when you say, because I could go either way. I just, I'm leading this, the max way when I was talking about the starting lineup thing, if Jovic looking into the future, but when you're saying they need a, a spacer next to Jimmy and Bam, but Tyler's a part of this core too. So we're not just this Tyler. Isn't the role player that we're saying is on the max level. He's a part of this core where 
Jovic ideally would be that spacer. Like he would be, I don't, I don't want to say he's going to be on the volume of Max or even the efficiency of Max. He'd be playing a different role. But that is why I think people think ideally in a starting lineup, it makes sense. Because if Jovic is able to play as that popper, as that off-ball player, you're able to kind of run things differently. But if there's just more uh, there's just more worries defensively. That's just, just the key here. Because if you're starting Kyle Tyler, uh, not that it gets much better with Max, but Kyle Tyler and Jovic at a point, that's a lot on Jimmy and Bam. Like, that is a lot on those two guys to try to make up for it. So either way you go, like all these variations we're talking about, there's going to be a weakness of some kind at, at some point. You're either going to lose spacing. You're either going to lose movement. You're either going to lose defense. Like there's going to be something. So I think it just comes down to what they feel like they can get past the most. Uh, and I feel like right now at this moment, I, I just think they have to defend. Like I think they do like that. What we saw in these last few games is they've won games on defense. And a lot of these nights, that it's hard for me to see them as much as I've talked about, because I've said the my lineup would be playing Max with uh, Tyler and just putting Caleb off the bench like we've talked about. But it's like, are you really willing to sacrifice that much defensively? Because I just don't think this team is. and I don't know if they can win games by betting on this team's offense that we've seen this season. Well, the other question, too, is um, you mentioned Kyle. What What is Kyle's role in all this? Because Kyle's supposed to be a plus defender, so it doesn't tilt – to having three subpar defenders on the floor at the same time, but that seems to have gone the other direction. And the other question becomes, you know, you know, you talk about Jovic being a potential spacer. Well, Lowry could be a potential spacer if he was a more willing shooter, I think. Uh, And maybe if his role changes a little bit, I, I still think he's more of a spacer than Gabe is because there's more fear of Kyle because of his reputation, but that difference between the two of them has shrunk in, in my opinion. And so you know, that's another thing to watch going forward, although I don't think Kyle's getting taken out of the starting lineup anytime soon. All right, thanks to Brady. Um, just some things to think about in this episode as we go forward. You know, we don't know if this team's going to get totally healthy or when that's going to happen, but when it does, Eric Spolster's going to have some decisions to make. So we'll cover all of it. We'll have post game after the Washington game. Again, watch party coming up at Tropical Distillery on uh, November 30th. And thanks to our sponsors, again, to Nelson at C-Armstaffing. Dot com. Also, prize picks. Use the code 5FIVE. And for 25% off on all your premium CBD, the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies, and all of that stuff, they got a new sports cream there. Go to therapistpreferred.com and use the code 5. That's the number 5, RSN. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.